Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. What is going on, everybody? Happy Monday. The NFL Combine is finally over. But before we dive into all of that, I've got to tell you guys, this episode is going to be a little bit different. And uh, I'm a little bit scared right now. I'm all by myself. KG is flying across the world doing all kinds of great things with basketball. If you guys were able to watch any of her stuff all weekend long on ACC Network, she was killing the women's basketball coverage. What a great women's ACC basketball tournament we just had. NC State, three straight conference tournament victories. Uh, Big Kunane, again, another MVP trophy. And as as I mentioned, KG absolutely killed it. She is headed to call a championship game uh, for another conference and, and the great things that she is able to do. So with that in mind uh, and the way scheduling works, I am doing this episode all by myself, guys. But what a great weekend we had on the NFL side. Uh, they held a track meet. I don't know if you guys saw that in Indianapolis 40 times at every position were just lights out, rivaled only by the Indy 500. And I mean, wow, I'm not sure if Indy got new turf because of how much trash people like myself have been speaking about it, or if this next wave of prospects are just super freaks because I've never seen anything like this. For a little bit of context here, listen to the fastest 40 times by position. Quarterback, 4-5. Running back, 4-3. Wide receiver, 4-2. Tight end, 4-5. Offensive line, 4-8. Defensive line, 4-3. That is just absolutely nuts. Shout out to Omari Barno from Virginia Tech. Defensive in there. Defensive tackles, 4-7. Linebackers, 4-4. Safeties, 4-3. Cornerbacks, 4-2-3. The fastest corner ever from Baylor. We saw over 30 guys run a 4-3 or faster. I mean, it's just absolutely nuts how fast we saw these guys run. We have to break all of this down because the need for speed was evident. But I've got to know, outside of the stopwatch, which ACC guy made the most strides? Who solidified themselves? Who performed when the lights were brightest? And I know one guy who always is locked in when the bright lights are on, and that is our guest today, my brother, Jordan Reed. Jordan has been a rising star in this business for a couple of years now and just recently joined ESPN as an NFL draft analyst and a college football writer. He has provided excellent coverage all year long and somehow made time for us to help us break down all things NFL Combine. You guys are going to love this conversation. Jordan was very thorough. He's been at the Combine all week long. So this is a guy that had boots on the ground, got to see it with his own eyes, stopwatch, was very active during the 40-yard dash. Love this conversation. Let's get right to it. Jordan Reed, my brother, man, you've had a heck of a weekend. Really appreciate you finding some time for us. I don't know how you did it, uh, but welcome into the podcast. Absolutely, man. You know, whenever I get to talk football with you, I can't pass up that opportunity, man. No, so I'm happy to be here. It's it's likewise. It's likewise, brother. We're, we're going to you know be all over the ACC. A couple of prospects I really want to jump into, but really, I've got to start with the monsters in the middle. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't start there, the offensive line. Because the ACC might be producing the number one pick again in back-to-back years with big Iki Iguanu. Uh, number one, I just want to start with your thoughts on him. And did he 
earn that number one spot in your eyes after this combine performance? Yeah, and it seems like the number one pick is going to either be an edge rusher, whether it's Kayvon Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson or an offensive tackle, whether that's Icky or even Evan Neal. But I thought Icky took advantage of the opportunity of Evan Neal not doing anything besides interviews. And that's exactly what everybody wanted to see from him running four, nine, three at his size at six foot four, 315 to 320 pounds is just ridiculous. So I think he took advantage of the opportunity. And I got an opportunity to actually see Icky in person against Wake Forest. Uh, we actually were both at that game. I didn't get a chance to holler at you, but <laughs> I was really upset that I didn't get to come speak to you. But, but you know, just seeing him up person in person, standing close to him, standing beside him, he's a massive guy. I mean, it, it, you see 320 pounds on paper, and he doesn't look it. And what I mean by that is everything is so compact. He has a really nice constructive frame, and you know, there's questions about him. If he, is he a guard or a tackle? But I firmly think he, he's an offensive tackle just because of what he put on film last year. I agree with you. And we saw him marginally get better, right? I mean, in, in 2020, super aggressive and, and heavy hands, which is a good thing at times, but, you know, at the tackle position, you know, that can hurt you a little bit. In 2021, I just felt like he he tuned it all up and, and he looked super just poised to do that. When you look at those two prospects, I want to stay here for just a second. When you look at Neil and you look at Icky, if you're the Jags, I mean, why are you taking either of those guys? Like, it, you have to choose clearly. But in your opinion, you know, Jr., when you look at this, why would you take one versus the other? Well, it all comes down to upside. You know, that's a word that get thrown that's get that gets thrown out there a lot with either one, and with Iggy, and then the athleticism too. Both of those guys are superb athletes, and I don't think you could go wrong with either one, honestly. So I'm really interested to see what Jacksonville does do with the number one overall pick, but Evan Neal is a little bit bigger than Icky. Evan Neal is about six foot seven, 335 pounds, 337 pounds is what he came in at the combine. Icky is about six foot four, 320 pounds, but I think Icky is the better athlete overall. But if you're looking for the bigger player, Evan Neal may be to your liking, but as far as the athleticism, I think Icky has the upper hand in that. It's going to be fascinating. I really can't wait to see, you know, which way do they go? And, and obviously of covering the ACC for a couple of years now and being able to see these guys in person, there's not a nastier player than, than Big Icky and then the way that he plays the game of football, which is so much fun. Another guy that I think you and I may be on the same page with from what he did at the Senior Bowl and then what, you know, kind of an exclamation point, if you will, here at the Combine is Zion Johnson. I mean, I think going into to this weekend, he was kind of a, you know, first round maybe – back end of it, maybe early second round. I think he locked it up. I think he's a lock at first round. I think he needs to play center. He's just that smart and, and that good of a football player. Ran a 5-1, led the combine in bench press reps at 32, had a 32-inch vert, uh, a 4-4 shuttle, so you see how quick he is in space. And then what was most impressive to me uh, was just that game film measuring up with, with seeing him go through the drills. Now, you don't necessarily get to see the power or the strength I think is his biggest attribute, but Zion looked like a linebacker going through the on-field drills. What do you think, in your opinion, did did he do this weekend with his performance at the Combine? Yeah, he, he's one of my draft crushers this year, Eric. I've just fallen in love with him throughout the draft process, and what will always stick in my mind, and this is years down the road, of him having never played center before, staying after practice and getting snaps with Malik Willis, who was actually on the opposite team that was going to be practicing after the team after him. So that just speaks to his work ethic. And I think he's one of those players that 
last year. So he played tackle for the most part. He played left tackle. And I actually talked to him about this during his podium session at the combine and that I thought that Duke game was a turning point in his career. And Victor DiMichiche, I mean, he was just going after him. I think he gave up three sacks in that game, if I'm not mistaken. But after that point, it seems like a light really turned on for him. And he transitioned back inside during this, during this last year at Boston college. And he was dominant and he shouldn't get past the Cowboys at 24 and especially not the Bengals at 31. We know both of those teams need interior offensive line help, but just the versatility that he shows, he can play guard or he can play center. And you know, he's going to work very, very hard at it. That's something that I love about Zion. It just seems like he doesn't take no for an answer. He's really well built uh, he put up 32 bench press reps, which I think was the high for all amongst all offensive linemen. So he's just continuously checking boxes throughout the process. And he's one player I've fallen in love with. And, and I tell you, just the, the work ethic that you bring up and, and a guy that he just loves it. He loves football. And I feel like there's still like a lot of these guys when, when we're going through this process, like this is as good as they're going to get. Right. This this is the peak. But for Zion, I, I just feel like there's a whole nother level that he can get to especially if the fact that he plays another position like center, man, the first time we ever saw him do it competitively is in an all-star game with the best players in the world. So it's crazy to look at the upside there. We talk about how important that word is. And and so I'm with you, man, big time, you know, really in love with this pick and somebody's going to get just an absolute baller. All right, let's transition a little bit here to uh, probably the position that, you know, folks probably thought I was going to start with. uh, And that's quarterback in the fact that, you know, a lot of people have a different quarterback one. Nobody has uh, a Sherlock guy. If you look from mock draft to mock draft to big board to big board, it, it seems like there's a different guy there. Uh, let's focus on Kenny Pickett first. He's been my quarterback one for some time now. I really was impressed with his athleticism. You know, his testing really matched up well with what you see on the field. And any time that you can marry those together, I, I think it's just so impressive. Running a four seven. Jumping 33 and a half in the vert, I thought was really impressive. And then, of course, a 4-2. I want to know, number one, did, did KP do enough to be quarterback one? And if he didn't, uh, maybe separate answer, who, who is your quarterback one going into this draft? Well, if you ask 10 different people who their quarterback one is, you'll probably get 10 different answers. That's the crazy thing about this quarterback class. And it, this class is a little bit different. I will say that from a quarterback standpoint, just because over the past three years, we've had that guy that's just jumped out and grabbed that quarterback one moniker. And over the past three years, we have, we've had Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, and then last year, a guy you've had a lot of experience with in Trevor Lawrence. So we've had that QB1 really jump out to us in a sense. We really haven't had that this year, and Pickett had an outstanding year, 42 touchdowns and seven interceptions. Pitt, I believe, won the first ACC title in a very long time. Right. So yep. he, had a, he had a magical year, and I think it's between him and Malik Willis as far as being the first quarterback off of the board. And I know you hear things about the hand size and those narratives that you're going to hear about <laughs> him, but, I mean, the guy was supremely productive when he was at Pitt. So there's a, there's a lot of things out there about Pickett, but I respect his game. I love my colleagues, Mel, Mel Kuyper's comparison for him and Derek Carr. I think that's a player that he could end up turning out to be. And I mean, if he does end up turning out to be that type of player, we're talking about the top 12 to 15 type of quarterback in the league. We all know about the leadership skills that he does have. Pat Narduzzi, just his face just lights up when talking about Kenny Pickett. So team captain, I can't say enough great things about Kenny Pickett. So I'm really interested to see how he does translate to the next level. And really just seems to be in a class that there's so many differences, right, amongst these quarterbacks and what they do well, where they are. He just seems to be the guy that is most pro-ready. That That's what I've you know kind of read and, and just with my eyes, what, what I'm seeing there is he's a guy that 
you know, I, I think day one, put him in there and just let him lead the team, let him lead the offense. I, I think that he really has those capabilities. I want to stay on the, the hands for just a second because I think it is the most <laughs> bizarre thing. I, I mean, you obviously play the position, you know, very well. I mean, how much does that matter? Because, I mean, guys aren't out here wheeling the ball around with one hand, and that's how we measure ball security. I mean, I think of technique. I think of both hands on the ball, moving in the pocket. I mean, how much goes into the hand measurement, in your opinion? It really just depends on the team, Eric, and the age of the scout, too, just because you have some of those older type scouts that have their old narratives. And <laughs> I like how you said like I that. love it. Yeah, yeah you're absolutely yeah, it, right. It, it honestly just depends. It doesn't really matter to me a whole bunch just because he did play in a cold-weather area. It's not like he played in sunny Miami and he had those hand that hand size narrative. So, I mean, it's not a huge concern to me just because he's shown that he can drive the football in all different levels of the field and then throw in tight windows too. So it'll be interesting to see where he does end up going though. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. So, so we kind of talk about those two top-tier guys and and Willis and Pickett that are really fighting for that number one spot and and who I think is, you know, ultimately going to be the first quarterback taken coming down to those two. Another guy that that has just been consistent and, and throughout his career, the way he does things, the way he adjusts to you know when things happen in a negative way, and that's Sam Howe. You look at the Senior Bowl, maybe the most consistent of the three days, and then in the game, and then in the combine. You know, he he didn't test on the field, he didn't run the forty or anything like that. But I think a lot of folks would be surprised to hear that he actually killed interviews and, and teams loved him when they were interviewing. Do, do you think Sam Howe is going to sneak into the back half of this first round? Yeah, and I've been mocking Sam Howe to the Pittsburgh Steelers at 20 overall for a couple of months now. And I think he's one of the most misunderstood players in this draft overall. And I say that just because no other player in the country, regardless of position, lost as much around them as Sam Howe did. And if you think about it, he lost his top two running backs in Michael Carter and then also Javante Williams. We saw the type of rookie season that they had. They were very talented. Also, his top two receivers and Daz Newsome and then also Deami Brown. So what happened with Sam is that he felt as if the whole entire offense was on his shoulders. So he tried to do too much. And if you think about it, the three interceptions against Virginia Tech, he didn't start off the year good at all. But he understood that he kind of had to take a onus upon himself as far as a rushing threat. I mean, the guy only had 185 yards in two seasons. And then this past year, he had over 850 rushing yards. So that just goes to show you that he had to take much more responsibility in the offense. But the light kind of turned on for him about halfway through the season and that I don't have to do as much as I think I have to do. So he started to sling the ball a little bit more. And he started to look like that guy that we saw last year that had so much hype coming into the year. So the thing that's really interesting about Hal is that I was hoping to learn a little bit more about him outside of that Phil Longo offense, just because there's a bunch of rudimentary reads as far as elementary type of things that he doesn't have to go through. So I think he's going to face a little bit of an adjustment as far as an NFL system. And then also some different types of things that he's going to have to go through too on the next level. So there may be a little bit of adjustment period for him just because of that Phil Longo system, but I still think he's going to find a way in the first round. From from a, a just a physical aspect and and maybe just when you're thinking in game, not necessarily grasp of an offense or or you know being at the next level and all the things that come with that. What what is the biggest thing that he has to, I guess, get better at in your eyes to be a successful NFL quarterback? If if he fixes X of his game, what would that be? Oh, uh, that's a really good question. Um, 
I think he needs to clean up some short to intermediate things. I mean, he throws a gorgeous deep ball. You've seen it in person plenty of times. His deep ball is absolutely incredible. I think he throws as far as the touch on the ball. I think he has the best touch of any quarterback in this class. But I want to see him clean up some things inside the numbers and over the middle of the field just because Longo's offense has a lot of outbreaking stuff and then doesn't really attack um, the middle of the field a whole bunch. So I want to see him clean up those areas. And then, of course, the read portion. I want to see him outside of that elementary, kind. you know, the terminology is kind of elementary. There isn't a lot of bunch of things that's really asked of him from as far as a one to two to three reads. In a sense, it's a bunch of RPOs. That's what you hear about him a lot. So, like I said, I think that's going to be a bit of an adjustment for him, but he needs to clean up some accuracy in the short to intermediate areas, too. And no question that that fit is so important, but the quarterback position, man, if if you can get into, you know, one of these teams in the NFL that, of course, are are being – uh, a little bit more college-like and getting some of the, that action in there, I think that certainly will help. But, yeah, it's going to be exciting future for Sam and, and excited to see what team you know ultimately takes him. I agree with you. I think it's going to be in that first round. Looking at his teammate, who I think did numbers for himself with the, the speed. I mean, running a 4-3 in Ty Chandler, a guy that was in the Shrine Bowl. I kind of have him as a day three prospect right now, really in that fourth round. But you know, running backs, as sad as it is, if, if you are running back, they're kind of dime a dozen, right? Everybody can go out and, and find a guy, but he he's durable. And he has demonstrated all year long, all career long, great footwork, great vision. And I, and I think that he's going to be this versatile piece that maybe even has a, a much better, however long it ends up being, NFL career just because he's going to be used more so in the offense. He's a great pass blocker, but really adding that, you know, just just the element of catching the ball more. Where do you see his ceiling in regards to where he could be drafted? So I got an opportunity to see him at the East-West Shrine Bowl, and I thought he was one of the better backs there. And they had some really talented running backs there in attendance, but I thought he was one of the more talented ones. And the first thing that stood out about him was just his feet. His feet are so quick and he's so decisive. And that's, that's why I think he fits so well in that Carolina offense that uses a lot of zone scheme type of concepts, which I think that's the type of back that he is. But as far as his decisiveness, he's a one cut and go type of back, but also he has really good short area quickness too. And I think that's one of the better traits of his game overall. He has soft hands as a pass catcher. And as you mentioned, he's a really good pass protector too. And especially being a smaller back, those type of boxes are some things that you have to check as far as having third down value. So I really like his his ceiling as far as the next level. It wouldn't surprise me if he ends up going like in the fourth or the fifth round. And he's more of a 1B type of rusher that is a really good complement to a main or a bell cow type of guy. So I think uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being like the Elijah Mitchell of this class. We saw what he was able to do out in San Francisco. You'd love to see it. And, and guys just increasing their role, figuring out, okay, how, how can I get on this team and, and find my way? And, of course, there's a lot of opportunity in, in such a offensive league that we are in right now. Last offensive prospect I really want to talk to you about here, Jelani Woods from Virginia, a guy who is just massive. I mean, he's going to get your attention when he walks into the room, six foot seven, 260. But then he put it all together. You know, I, I was very interested to see just because some of his game tape, you don't really ever get to see him get out and run. And so it's like, okay, what, what does the speed look like? And he just casually goes out and runs a four six at, at six seven, two sixty, and putting up 24 reps at 225. So he is not this, you know, wide receiver hybrid. This guy is a true tight end, a mismatch problem for any defense. Yeah, and he's one of another player along with Ty Chandler that I got to see out at, in Vegas at the East West Shrine game. And 
I was gushing the entire week talking about Jelani <laughs> Woods. I think regardless of position, I think he was the best player there. And he was the one that I came out most impressed by. Just the size, like just standing beside him, he looked like an offensive tackle. And some actually some players were saying that until they saw him put on that number zero jersey. They thought he was an offensive tackle, which is crazy <laughs> to say, just because six foot seven, over two hundred and sixty-one pounds, he ran four six one, which is really really impressive at his size. He is still trying to grow into his body a little bit. He kind of has some goofy movements, but I think as he gets older, I think he's only going to continue to grow into his body and figure things out. And we're talking about a player that was a converted quarterback right. at Oklahoma State, and they really just used him as an inline blocker. So he's really only had experience as far as a route runner for two years. So he's the type of player you really bank on that upside, really showing up with the potential and being able to reach that on the next level. And, and you know, I, I think when you look at this draft class, I mean, Tight end might be the most loaded position, right? There, there's so many just quality guys that are really different. Uh, you know, they're they're all you know obviously good at better things, but you know, can that size really help Jelani stand out, or is he still at the end of the day most likely going to be a day three prospect? Oh, I, I think he could go in the third round. I think that's probably his ceiling right now. It wouldn't surprise me if somebody takes him in the third round. I think fourth round is probably where teams will feel most comfortable taking him just because of the project aspect to his game, but. I mean, he reminds me a lot of Mo Alleycox from the Indianapolis Colts. And both of those guys have that basketball background. He goes up and gets the ball with the best of them. And I just love the aspect of just banking on the traits with him. And he's proven on the field that he understands what he's doing as a pass catcher. Now, you do need to teach him as far as being a run blocker. He needs to get stronger in his lower half, but he just doesn't have a lot of experience at doing that. So I think as he continues to gain exposure, you're talking about a player that could end up being a number two tight end, and he may even surprise you as a number one as well. It seems like he's just a big mold of clay that is obviously very good looking. And hey, let's go turn him into whatever we can as a football player and, and still being, you know, so raw. Another guy on the defensive side of the ball that I think is very similar to that, that you know, I think it really destroyed the combine. I mean, he, he blew people away literally and figuratively. And that's Amari Barno, a guy who is six foot six, six foot five, 245 pounds, just casually out here running a four three in the 40. Uh, he burst onto the scene in 2020, he kind of moved down to the defensive end position, had a million tackles for loss and sacks. But I, I for some reason, I, I think that he's a little bit unique because of how raw he is that, you know, it's going to be very situational where folks take him in, in your mind. What, what is the perfect situation for Amari Barno? Is it, is it linebacker? Is it stand up end? is it a true defensive end? And let's just get bigger. In your eyes, Jordan, what do you see the perfect situation for Barno here? Yeah, so I'll just speak on the 40 first. And I actually was inside the stadium the entire week, including yesterday when he ran the 40. And I had my stopwatch and I held my stopwatch up. I'm around a bunch of scouts. And I was like, hey, did y'all get something around this range? I had him at 438. Some guys had him at 435. Others had him at 434. At that size, that's just ridiculous. And I mean, we're talking about six foot five, over 250 or 260 pounds running that fast. is just unheard of. So with him, I think he probably has to be a stand up three, four outside guy. I think I would feel most comfortable there just because he is a little bit deficient as far as a run defender right now. But you can hide him a little bit as far as him playing in that stand up position and then just allowing him to drop in coverage and then just using that speed to rush the passer. But I think initially during the early portions of his career, he's probably is going to be what's called a DPR, which is just a designated pass rusher. You want him 
those NASCAR packages, those third down types of plays, just get them on the field to utilize that speed and just tell them to hunt, just go get after the quarterback. So as far as the earlier portions of his career, he probably needs to be a DPR, but as it continues to grow into his body, you want to put on some, some pounds in that lower half so he can sustain and be a little bit more firm at the point of attack as a run defender. I love that, man. DPR. You're teaching me right now some some very interesting <laughs> things. And that's that's what I've written down. I said, play to his length. Let him be situational for the first you know one or two years and then let him figure out which way you're going to go. You're going to put on the weight. You're going to be a linebacker. And uh, I, I'm exactly I'm right there with you. One guy that there is no question marks about what he is, who he is, is Jermaine Johnson. And, and I think a guy who is when you think of defensive end, the picture perfect prospect, six foot five. 255, 260 pounds, ran a 4-5, 40-yard uh, dash, 32-inch verse, so we've seen the explosion. And then, of course, at the Senior Bowl, we saw speed to power very quickly, time and time again, in the two practices that Jermaine did go. I, I think he's a lock for the top 15. Now, when you put all this together, and I've seen some of your colleagues and you know some folks from the NFL Network that even have him in the top 10. In your mind, after this performance, of course, what we saw, and then in, in the Senior Bowl as well, is, does that make sense? Do you think top 10, is he going to be the maybe third rusher coming off the, the board here? Yeah, I think top 10 or even I think he's a lock for the top 15. After what he did at the combine, I thought it was a top 15 lock after that. He by far was the best person at the senior bowl. It, it wasn't even close. Like for the two days that he practiced, he was unblockable. And then the third day, he just said, there's no reason to come out here. I don't need to practice the third day just because of how well he performed. But I think he's the best run defender. Him and Trayvon Walker are probably the two best run defenders of this class. And just go watch him against Miami. He was unstoppable in that game. And then the Clemson game, just getting that strip sack touchdown was just ridiculous too. So not only is he a great pass rusher, but he's versatile enough to be a run defender as well. I mean, he's stacking and shedding. He's setting a firm edge. He's everything you want in an edge rusher. So I think top 15 without question for him. And it's crazy to think that he was on that Georgia defense just a year ago. And then he's at, he's at, <laughs> he's at Florida state for what, six months. Right. And he ends up being ACC defensive player of the year. So that just goes to speak of just how talented he is. Right. Well, I think it tells you a couple of things. Number one, how freaking good Georgia's defense was like that yeah. guy couldn't get on the field. Really? Right. Uh, but, but I think ultimately his journey. And when you talk to him about it, he, he's grateful for it. I mean, it, it helped him learn so much about number one, who he is. And I think what you brought up there, how well he plays the run. I mean, at, at Georgia, he was telling us there, there, it's not just a given, right. You have to earn the right to rush the passer. So you better play the run. And man, he, he just has taken that so personal in every Walker, every aspect of his career that it's going to help him tremendously, I think at the next level. So going to be really interesting to see kind of who, who, who's going to take him? Where's it going to end up? And and just how quickly is this guy going to be making noise as we move to, to really the back seven and specifically look at the defensive backs here, a guy who I have just seen really climb up boards and, and people be more and more excited about is Damari Mathis from Pitt. And I think coming into the combine and, and really, you know, not knowing what he was going to run. He's a physical, physical cornerback that loves to be impressed, man. I think he would be tremendous in the slot, a guy that is not afraid of contact. And then he goes out and runs a 4-3. Uh, did that answer some questions to you? And, and maybe he's more of, okay, a true corner. If we, we can put him on number two to start and, and see what happens, how much growth have you seen from him as, as kind of the postseason process as, as we are in pre-draft right now? Yeah, it's been really fun to track his progress. And I actually was texting one of Pitt's coaches from their staff and 
he texted me yesterday. He said, what do you think DeMar is going to run? And I told him probably a low four fours. And he texted me after DeMar ran. And he said, I told you he was going to run faster than that. So <laughs> just seeing his progress playing nickel corner and then also a little bit of safety too. Uh, it's been really fun to track his progress, but he's one of those guys that's just so physical. He's not scared to what I like to call stick his head in the fan and get his face dirty as a run defender. And then he's consistent in pass covers too. So I'm really looking forward to tracking his progress on the next level. It, it'll be fun to see just how he's used. You know, you look at Pittsburgh, and I know you, you've studied them immensely. They they put their corners in some tough situations. They say, hey, we're going yeah. man-to-man across the board, and if you're not ready, that's that's on you. Uh, you're going to get exposed, and Damari has, has had a really solid career for Pitt, and I know he's excited for the next level. The last guy I want to ask you about here that did not perform in any of the drills, kind of recovering from a little bit of an injury, and I've, I've seen him everywhere. I, I really don't know where to place Andrew Booth outside of, I think he's going to be in the first round. Give me your thoughts on, on the talented cornerback from Clemson. I think he he's the picture perfect corner. In my opinion, when you look at physicality and being a ball Hawk, but just kind of want to get your thoughts about him. I'm a huge Andrew Booth fan. I'm probably the leader of the Andrew Booth train. I'm a big fan of him and I want to go down to Clemson to actually see him at the pro day. So hopefully he's able to perform. He had a really good talk with him during his podium session at the combine. And he said he strained his quad doing he was like warming up for 40s during the monday leading up to the event so hopefully he's able to get healthy and perform but his body control his athleticism and just his competitive drive are the three things that really stand out about him and i told him like you give up a 10-yard reception and it's like you gave up the game winning touchdown but he's like he's really hard on himself and he just hates giving up receptions and i wanted to make sure to ask him about that nc state game i think that was one of the worst games of his career and he went up against a really talented receiver in the Mecca, Mezzi, who I think is going to be a steal for somebody in the late rounds. But he was just like, he learned that he just doesn't need to underestimate anybody going into any game. And he admitted that he kind of took NC State lightly and they ended up beating Clemson in that game. So just hearing him say that and admit that I thought was a, was really big for him. But unfortunately, we didn't get to see him at the combine, but hopefully he's going to be able to perform at Clemson's Pro Day on March 17th. Where, where do you have him going? Just just to get you know your opinion, because as I said, I've, I've seen him as high as like eight. I've seen him as low as early second round. In your opinion right now, without obviously a combine because of the injury, where, where do you have him going? He shouldn't get past the Patriots at 21, honestly. I, I think he would be a great fit there. But obviously him not performing at the combine, there's going to be some questions out there. But I think 25 to the Bills would be a great spot for him too. Just these cornerback needy teams, I think he's a starter right away. I think if he was able to perform at the combine, he was going to put up some freaky numbers. But it's just unfortunate that we were unable to see him. Yeah, no, I don't think there's any question about it. All right, man, as, as we wrap up here, really appreciate your time. Thank you uh, very much. I kind of want to ask you, just when, when we're going through this pre-draft process, and, and obviously a guy in yourself who's, who's been there, done that, you, you've covered this immensely, when you look at these different events as all-star games, as combines, as pro days, where do you think the biggest, I don't know, evaluation comes from? If you were a prospect or, man, let's flip it and even say you're you're an executive, a scout, a GM, what are you looking at that measures more than the tape? Where you're like, okay, he ran a 4-2 at the, at the combine. That is going to push him to another level. Is there anything at any of these events that, you know, can really take a guy over the top? Well, I always say this about the combine, and this is something that I learned when I was getting into scouting, too, is that you should use the combine to approve or disprove something that you saw 
on tape. So if you have questions about a guy's speed and he goes out and he runs a very bad time or a time that you were expecting, then you understand that now this guy isn't the most explosive. But if somebody disproves and runs a really good time, now you have to go back and watch the film. But the big reason for the combine is really to get intel about these guys. And this is what I love about the combine is that this is really a lot of teams first opportunity to sit down and talk face to face with a lot of these guys. They get 45 interviews with each prospect. And then it's kind of like speed dating in a sense, they get 15 (laughs) to 20 minutes for each one. So for example, if a prospect has some red flags or some things that you have questions about, this is your opportunity to talk to them. But also if you want to do some chalk talk or talk some X's and O's, why they did this on this play, or if it was a negative play, they get to talk you through that. So you get to get a feel for guys as football IQ and then just a feel for them as a person. So just use the combine for intel and then also to approve or disprove some prior things that you saw on tape. I love it, man. There you go. Easy enough. Jordan, thank you so much for your time, man. It's been really fun to watch your career take off. You're absolutely killing it. Keep blowing up, my man. Appreciate you. Same to you, Eric. Thanks as always. Man, what a fun conversation. I just love that guy. Jordan Reed does such a great job for us at ESPN. The coverage, the insight, the 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 just perspective that he has of things. It's been really cool. This is a guy that played at the highest level, that that has been in the scouting rooms, that has been in the evaluation rooms, and now, of course, doing it in the media at the highest level with ESPN. Really appreciate his time and insight. Just looking back at a couple of those things and, and guys that really stood out to me, I think Big Iggy, he's locked it at first one. He has just dominated everything that he's done. I surely would have loved to see him at at an all-star game type of thing, but clearly he's too young. He's not a senior. He doesn't get to go to that. But just a guy that is so versatile that, as you heard from Jordan right there, he can play tackle, and that's what he's going to play. It's going to be very interesting to see, you know, maybe that true – tackle piece. Is that what's going to set him back from being, you know, the number one guy for the Jaguars? But at the end of the day, take the nastiest guy available if you're in that position. I think that's big icky. He got out and ran his tail off, looked super smooth and nimble in the drills. I think he's locked it up. I truly do. And another guy that I think should be even higher, as of course you guys know the, the crush that I have on Zion Johnson. I mean, he was so smooth running in this drills. And it didn't necessarily show up with a 5-140, but just the way that he changed positions, the way that he changed directions and was so fluid in all of the movement that he was able to do, I, I don't know how you don't take that guy. If you, if you need an interior lineman, he's got to be the first one taken. I fully expect to see that. Quarterback, you know, I, I think Kenny, again, did enough. We showed that athleticism. The fake slide now turns into a 4-2 shuttle, 33-and-a-half vertical. And of course, the 4740, he, he throws a pretty ball. The strength is all there. I, I hear people all the time saying, well, he, he doesn't have the strongest arm. He, he's got more than a strong enough arm. He can make every single throw on the football field. I, I don't think there's any question that in my mind, Kenny is quarterback one. And then looking at another guy that, that just dominated the day in Jermaine Johnson. I, I think he truly should be the third edge rusher. I, I think when you look behind the, the young man, Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan, who was a Heisman finalist, and then, of course, uh, Thibodeau there from Oregon. I think Jermaine's next, and I think he solidified it with these measurements, measuring in right at 6'5", 255, 4'5", 40-yard dash, 32-inch vertical, the explosion, the step, the 10-yard split, I believe, was right at 1.5. 
Dude's electric, and his tape measures up with the stats and the things that he was able to do there. So it's going to be fun, guys. This truly is going to be a great draft, going to be a great draft for the ACC. Can't wait to see where all these guys end up. But thank you for listening. Another great episode of Gramlick and MacLean. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, go over to Spotify, follow our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating, or write us a review. We greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see you all.